zone. Yes, seven days in a week. Man, you ain't big pop. I'm your big bad booty daddy in the non-stop. We'll get your beers in. It's going to be a long episode, I think. Uh, welcome, friends, to the Wrestling Reanimator podcast. Come on in, grab a seat, grab a beer, grab whatever you need to get through, and strap yourself in. We've got a huge episode for you today. And um, I am, for one, I'm very excited to get started. Uh, I'm Mike Lewis. I'm joined always by my good buddy and my tag team partner, Mr. Derek Warnke. What's going on, you marks? No glory holes tonight, boys. We got a lot, a lot of wrestling to talk about. <laughs> so let's get right into Skin and the Cat. I mean, where do we start? So many debuts, so many title changes, a rumors. Lot of debuts. I, I, it's debuts on debuts. Um, so, but, but before we, um, you know, kick into high gear, uh, the show is going to start a little bit more uh, on a somber note. Um, obviously the wrestling world, uh, lost Daphne, um, this past week, uh, tragically took her own life, truly, uh, ahead of her time, um, when it comes to women's wrestling. And, um, I know Derek, you more than anybody I know was very well versed in WCW. I'm sure you remember her run in WCW pretty well. Yeah, um, you know, that's when I first was introduced to her, and I thought she had a special knack for this business, and she certainly paved the way for women's wrestling um, with the stuff she did with David Flair and Crowbar, um, and the stuff she did in TNA. You know, I was a huge fan. Um, you ask anybody in the business about her, and they say she had something special. She could scream your fucking face off, man. Let me tell you something about that. That's one thing I will miss about <laughs> her, man. Scream queen. The scream queen, dude. And, you know, it's a sad day. And, uh, you know, um, listen, uh, it, it happens in this business. Things, you know, wear down on you. Uh, we're not going to get too much into that. But, uh, you know, it is, it's a sad day. And, and she will be missed, man. She was a pioneer for the women's division in all of women's wrestling. And uh, we, we lost a good one. Absolutely. And um, another bit of kind of kind of some crazy news, something that not a lot of people expect to hear about. But uh, Triple H um, had to undergo some sort of uh, heart procedure, um, uh, some sort of, you know, I think it was a genetic um, heart or heart condition uh, or, or episode of, of that, something along those lines. But um don't know too much of the details here but obviously when you hear something like that um regardless about whether it's not about wwe versus aew or nothing like that this is simply just a a man who's made a huge mark on this business and and i know i can speak on derek's behalf and we both say that we wish him and um you know his whole family the very best at this time and um obviously we're thinking about him and hoping for the best in his recovery yeah, thoughts and prayers with trips, and you know we hope he's doing okay. And I mean, he went to a really good hospital, so that's that's a start. So uh, yeah. you know, best wishes, man. Uh, hope he gets back to it and uh, gets everything up and running, man. So as we uh, 
turn the sights here back into the ring and back on some of the things that are going on this in the world of professional wrestling there's been a ton to cover and my god it, it really is the best time to be a wrestling fan uh, and before oh, man, we jump brother. into yeah before we jump into AEW um and the fallout from all out let's Quickly talk about the the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Trevor Murdoch. Yeah, man, Trevor Murdoch. Listen, man, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, we, we briefly touched on it last week. I have been telling you and Chris for the last two weeks, I said Trevor Murdoch is going to win that strap. I said if he's not going to do it in one and he's not going to do it in two, he's going to do it in three. And, you know, a lot of people are shitting on this. A lot of people are, you know, crapping all over Trevor Murdoch winning the NWA title. Let me tell you something, man. If there's anybody who who bleeds and sweats NWA wrestling, it's Trevor Murdoch. I mean, let's no Trevor, doubt. Murdoch, Trevor Murdoch looks like he never left NWA wrestling. Trevor Murdoch <laughs> looks like he was a wrestler in 1986 and he never wrestled. And you know what? Good for him. And you know what? A lot of people saying all this stuff about his dad and, you know, Dick Murdoch was a racist and he was a piece of shit in the company. This isn't Dick Murdoch. Okay. This is Trevor Murdoch. It's a completely different guy. So shut the fuck up. Okay. We saw what he did in WWE and the stuff he put up with. Good for him. Okay. It's good for professional wrestling. We all love Nick Aldis. We all love his record. We all love what he's done for NWA. I'm a huge NWA guy. JCP till I die. Mike knows it. But good for Trevor, you know, good for Trevor Murdoch, because you know what, man? Um, if there's somebody who I think of right now in this 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 industry, when I think of NWA, it's it's him. And he's got the look. He's he's got the the drive. You know, he he said he said in this his second rematch, if I don't get you this time, I'm gonna get you the next time. And I'm gonna keep coming and good for him, man. Fucking, you know what? I'm drinking a beer. Trevor Murdoch, probably not <laughs> listening to this because you got better shit going on, but cheers, brother. I love you. Man, he has seriously come a long way from his days in the WWE. Tag teaming with Lance Cade, God's, God rest his soul. I mean, I remember, I remember vividly back when we were in high school and they debuted as a tag team and you were like, Trevor Murdoch's my new favorite wrestler in WWE. And I was like, what the oh. fuck are you talking about? Any guy like, that wrestles with, with fucking Copenhagen long cut in his mouth, that's my dude, dude. That's <laughs> that's fucking wrestling. That's southern wrestling, baby. So you fucking Trevor Murdoch fucking kicks ass. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> I think that everyone is just upset that like Nick Aldis's run finally ended. And like seriously amazing work on Nick Aldis for basically bringing the NWA world's heavyweight championship back into relevancy. Yeah. It's the oldest, it's the oldest belt in professional wrestling and he's made it into something that's a, that you want to go out and win again. Yeah. It's like I said, what Billy Corgan has done for that brand and what everybody has done for that brand, you know, Mickey James, Nick Aldis, um, you know, people who aren't even there, you know, Thunder Rosa. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. I love that we're getting old studio camera work and it feels yeah. like the old stuff. And 
you watch interviews and now we get flair coming back and, and getting his flowers i mean how I mean, cool dude, was that how it was cool awesome was man. it was awesome and you know like i said 10 pounds of gold that's my favorite title in professional wrestling just because the prestige on it man i mean yep. this is a belt that flair held and dusty held and rich steamboat harley race terry funk jack briscoe the fucking list goes on man it's to me it's 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 great and the fact that you know a guy like Trevor Murdoch can win this title and prove that, you know, you don't have to be the biggest or the strongest or, you know, the most handsomest guy in, in professional <laughs> wrestling, you know, it, it's, it's fun and it's exciting and it's new and, and I'm all for it. I, I wanted to win it in his rematch. And the fact that, you know, we've seen three Murdoch Aldis matches and he finally gets one out. Come on. That's storytelling at the tee. Good for him, man. Love it, man. I love it. And honestly, in 2021, I would never have imagined that we'd have been talking about the front man and the brainchild of, the, of, of Smashing Pumpkins bringing new, <laughs> the National Wrestling right? back from the dead. How cool is that shit? <laughs> he's, I mean, what he's done, I mean, he's passionate, man. And the he thing is. I love, he was on Rogan when he first started talking about bringing back the NWA. And he said he wanted to keep it exactly how he remembered as a kid. And we still have all the awesome belts. We not only, you know, we have the world, the 10 pounds of gold, the NWA championship, but we have that beautiful, beautiful television title that we get to see guys like <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. My, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Arn Anderson hold. And uh, it's fun, man. It's a fun, fun little thing. And, you know, when they first came out, I was always on YouTube watching and, and uh, I mean, that's how I introduced myself to some awesome guys like Ricky Starks, Zicky Dice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they have a great division guys like uh, Thomas Latimer, Royce Isaacs, like really good wrestling, man. Super underrated. So anything for the NWA, I'm an NWA guy till I die. I, I'm loving it, man. Well, a lot of those guys that have kind of made that transition from NWA, you mentioned Ricky Starks, um, you know, making that transition over to AEW. Uh, and that's where we're going to go right now. All Elite Wrestling's biggest event, biggest pay-per-view, most buys on a pay-per-view that's non-WWE since, I believe, like 1999, something like that. Easily the, fir- the biggest one since WCW. All out, man. This thing had everything. <laughs> it had, dude. It had everything, and uh, I'm stealing a, a little line from uh, Chris, our graphic designer, Mike's cousin. I'm buying that DVD, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. I mean, well, I mean, what more could you ask for? It, it delivered on every level. Um, if if you were into, you know hard hitting strong style matches it it kicked things off with that you got it dude you got it in in a lot of matches dude you had moxley versus kojima and you had and you had kingston versus miro those were like starter matches on this show and those are guys that went out and beat the shit out of each other um Moxley versus Kojima obviously had, you know, the big reveal at the end of the match where where Minoru Suzuki showed up. Legend. Suzuki Goon. 
Ichiban, <laughs> baby. Dude. I was I, so excited to see him, and I know that everybody else was too. I have been saying it for a while now. I thought AEW was going to use him. I wasn't sure if we were going to see him. But, man, if you're going to bring him out at any venue, that's the venue you bring him out at, man. And and people were pumped when he came out. And, like, I think only in an environment like AEW where it's a professional wrestling fan's environment it's basically a super indie uh at times so when guys like Minoru suzuki show up the crowd knows they're knowledgeable and they pay him the respect that he deserves if he would have showed up in a wwe ring i don't think a single person i wouldn't want to say single person but i think the crowd reaction is vastly different um when you look at an AEW crowd, they're well-versed in a lot of the other promotions that are out there. Obviously, New Japan having a huge um, impact on, you know, thing, other promotions like Ring of Honor, which bleeds into AEW as well. Man, Moxley versus Suzuki is a fantasy matchup. Oh, it's a great matchup. It's, it's an amazing matchup for many reasons. I mean, we, we had it building up in New Japan when they first faced off. Um, I mean, going back to what you said about, about the fan base, when you have a full-packed house, a sold-out house, yelling, Kaze Nina Rei, a Japanese lyric to a Japanese wrestler's theme song, you know something's big is about to happen. And... It, I pop for it. I know you pop for it. Mm-hmm. it. It's awesome. And to see both these guys go at it and then we get a match on it. We get a, sorry, excuse me. We get a match with both of them the following week on Dynamite. I'm all for it. I'm, I, you know me, I'm a, I'm a Suzuki Mark, Suzuki goon all the way. You know, this is a guy who's had an amazing career in professional wrestling. A guy who's trained by Carl Gotch himself, the king of mm-hmm. Pancrase, the man of the Gotch style pile driver. And God, now you're I telling me I, I gotta see, I get to see him wrestle John Moxley, two dudes who aren't scared of anything, who are going to beat the living piss out of each other. Sign me up, dude. I'll fucking VIP for that all fucking day. And then the following week, their match on dynamite was very good. Like, I mean, it was just a solid wrestling match where those two guys just like, like the matching headbutt for headbutt and like, like shot for shot. I mean, these guys were, literally just trying to prove who's tougher. Um, I wish we could have seen that match in pay-per-view format only because of like things like time constraints where I feel like on TV, maybe they had to kind of scale back a little bit. It was a little rushed and you're not, and listen, we, we talked about that today at work with a couple of my wrestling friends. Uh, It felt a little rushed, but man, can we real quick, can we talk about Suzuki taking that DDT and getting his eye busted open? Oh my God. And taking the blood, Jerry Lynn style, and just sticking it on his face like a fucking savage. Oh, my God, dude. When he's not busted open, I was like, oh, my God, his eyes fucked. It was bad, man. He fucked his eye up. And he still sold every moment of it. Even when, you know, you got Moxley headbutting him and chopping him. And he just won't go down. And we're not talking about a young spring chicken. This is a guy who's seen some shit. This is one of the founders of mixed martial arts. This is a guy that's had battles, you know, with guys like Bass Rutan 
in MMA, like real, we're not talking wrestling world. We're talking fucking, this dude will fucking kill you. He will kill you and he will eat your children. And then he will spit <laughs> the bones out. He doesn't give a shit. This is a guy that fucking kicked the shit out of Asuka on fucking Japanese television for like two hours. A woman. He beat up a woman on TV. You think he gives a shit? Like, no. Like, only in Japan, man. Only in Japan. Holy wow, fuck. man. <laughs> but that's what makes Asuka so fucking tough, too. Is that she, she took, took a beating that... from Minoru Suzuki. I know. And and like uh, not to not to go in there and shit on WWE, but when she went into NXT and she beat the shit out of any woman who stepped into that ring, she was like what undefeated for over a year, um, and then all of a sudden she goes to the main roster and like within a within less than a year she's like losing almost every week or she's not even one of the top women superstars. Like, god damn it, like this woman is a, is legit tough and i mean if you can hang in the ring with minoru suzuki i don't care if you're a man woman animal alien i don't care what plane of existence you're from that man is tough as shit <laughs> and he's not gonna pull any punches on anybody he sandbags everybody he no sells everybody you can stab him in the neck with a knife a fucking switchblade he's not gonna flinch he's, he's a badass motherfucker he's gonna look you in the eyes and just pull it out Oh my god! Oh, anyway, speaking of fucking, just like insanity, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in steel cage for the tag team titles in AEW. We got new tag team champions out of that match, and and that match, yeah, it was a spot fest. It was one hundred percent a spot fest. But well, like, if you, for anyone that's complaining that it's a spot fest. Have you watched either of these tag teams ever wrestle before? And have you watched them wrestle each other before? Like, of course this thing was going to be a spot fest. But it was entertaining as hell, and it was probably the best match of the whole night. It was the best match of the whole night. And isn't that what we want to see in professional wrestling? Two teams of dudes doing crazy fucking shit, flipping around the ring, doing hurricane ranas fucking jumping off the top of the fucking steel cage this match had everything man i mean i this was the match that i was literally i i couldn't stand i couldn't sit down i was on the edge of my seat the entire match because this is what tag team wrestling is all about you have two tag teams and then they're gonna put on a fucking five star like that the whole thing was amazing i mean and shout out to friggin penta and phoenix listen a lot of guys there's a lot of luchadors out there. Let me put this this way. That aren't going to do the blade job and aren't going to get some juice. But Penta and Phoenix, man. Penta looked like a fucking horror movie character. He was dripping. Yeah. In the words of Drake, he was dripping with finesse, man. He, <laughs> he had that crimson mask going on. And there's nothing cooler than a guy who's got a sugar skull face paint tucked underneath a mask. And now you have ripped his mask and he's dripping blood. Uh, sick visual but man did they have some good spots in this match man like like they were just using their they were using their environment so well like yes the the spots that were going off on like them jumping off like springboarding 
to the cage and off the cage to do a move like stuff like that, which I thought was so much fun to watch them use the cage to their advantage to just pull off maneuvers. Some of the spots. Yeah. Like I can understand the complaints of like when they're both apron pile driving each other's brother and like looking at each other while they're doing it. And like, I was like, okay. Storytelling, man. Fuck you. You don't like that shit. Storytelling my ass. That's just a spot. That's just like, okay, this will look cool. If I pile drive him while you pile drive him and we both look at each other, like, shouldn't you both be like trying to help your tag team partner get out no, of the No, Mike, pile it's driver? professional wrestling. <laughs> this you tell me in real life if like four guys super kicked each other in like a counterclockwise position that it would work like that. It, it looks fucking cool as shit. No, no, it, I know it looked cool and I understand that. I enjoyed every moment of it, but I'm just saying, like that one, that one spot I was like, okay, I can see where that one doesn't like make a whole lot of sense it's the hardest part of the ring mike (laughs) and everyone knows how to do that now um cares (laughs) i mean come on i my personal favorite i i love the spot where literally penta has him has i don't know what jackson brother it was but he had him up set up for the package pile driver and ray phoenix jumps off the top and does a double stomp and drives him into the canvas Dude, come on, man. If you don't like professional wrestling, you're a fucking bitch. I fucking said it. I'm sorry. This match is bringing it out of me. I'm kidding. You're not a bitch. No, fuck it. I take it back. You are a fucking bitch. Watch the fucking match and then come talk to this fucking shit. And did you see their entrance? They had a dope-ass fucking entrance. That was, that was, yeah. That See, see, there's your, there's your quote-unquote sports entertainment. That's sports <laughs> entertainment. What they did in the ring that was professional wrestling. That's wrestling. R A S S L I N. That's wrestling, baby. It was. See, like, that's the type of match when people tell me, yeah, no, I don't like wrestling. Or, like, oh, I used to watch wrestling, but I don't watch it anymore. I'm like, you know what? Watch this match. Yeah, watch that, you fucking you idiot. The- <laughs> you fucking sorry. idiot. Go watch that match. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, like, I think anybody would have been following that match. Like, like in that situation, you're probably sitting down and go, wow, this is, this is pretty impressive. And then Matt Jackson whoops out the Nikes with the tacks on the bottom of them. And that's probably where you lose of some of those people. <laughs> those were limited edition kicks, man. I got so many people that I was talking to at work that were like, yo, do you know how expensive those shoes are? I don't give a fuck how expensive those shoes are, man. They got thumbtacks on them, and they're going into someone's fucking face. That's all I fucking give a shit about. And I'll tell you what, I would buy a pair of those instead of the regular pair that you can get at a store. I want the ones with the thumbtacks on them. Yeah, ask ask Candice LeRae if she gives a shit what fucking brand of fucking Nikes those were. She got kicked in the fucking face. <laughs> I honestly, honestly, man, I wouldn't be surprised if like, like wrestling fans start trying to like make those themselves and like Dude, try to I go mean, to shows like that. That's de- I mean, the spot where literally they drive it into fucking Pence's head and they can't get it great. out. So they got to do another spot to get it out of his head. Come on, man. That was fucking cool, dude. 
That's how I like my wrestling. Painful like as fuck. Yeah, man. I want a dude to put fucking thumbtacks on a shoe and then kick a dude in the fucking face with them. That's the kind of shit I like. I love that. Got to get innovative. Got to get innovative, man. Yeah, Can't keep man. doing the same things. Yeah, man. Fuck. Fuck, man. Fuck, man. Hey, man. Fuck, man. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> go, go. Talking about innovative wrestlers. Darby Allen had the most difficult task of anybody on that card, and yep. that is wrestling CM Punk in Chicago in his first match in seven years. And you know what? Kudos to Darby. Um, and you know what? Straight up, I'm not just saying it because of how I feel about Punk, um, but kudos to CM Punk for putting on a wrestling match yeah, in the man. middle of a night that was filled with, you know, for all the, for those who like to call it a spot fest. Yeah. There's a lot of matches with that are spot fests on an AEW card. I get that. It's part of the fun of AEW. If you don't understand that already, but punk put together an old school style match that told a story. This was a guy who has not wrestled a match in seven years. And he made sure that it looked like that. And because I know it wasn't just straight up ring rust on his part, but at the same time, clearly he's probably not in the same shape that he was or could be compared to a lot of the other guys and girls that are on the roster. So he took his time with that match and it was not a boring match, but he worked those, he worked those locks. He worked those holds um, and Everything had purpose, and all of those spots that they had in the in that match told a story, which I really appreciated. That Punk kind of brought a match into that card that was at a different speed than everything else. Yeah, I think uh, they did a pretty good job storytelling. At least um, it's actually funny because I don't know if you saw that video online. It was actually on Instagram where they had that match and the Bret Hart one, two, three kid match next to each other. And they were doing no, the exact same that. spot, spot for spot. It was, it was the craziest thing in the world. And the title was, <laughs> the title is when you, when you copy your friend's homework and try not to get a hundred percent, that's, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what it was. And I mean, to the T it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch, but um, yeah, man. Um, you know, going back to the ring rust thing, I totally agree with that. But um, I still think he looked good. He looked strong. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're going up against someone like Darby Allen, uh, you know, and, and taking a hiatus from wrestling like Punk did, um, I think he looked great. And I think he he kept up with them and, and they did some really good shit. And uh, yeah. another crazy thing, uh, if I can make this statement, seeing CM Punk in tights, that was that was pretty cool. I think I, I think you and I started texting each other right away. Yeah, it was that was certainly different, you know. Um, I like how he's all Chicagoed up, but yeah, man, I thought for some reason I thought he's either going trunks or I thought he was going old school uh, basketball shorts, MMA shorts, and now right out of the gate with tights, they're definitely a different look for Mister Punk. Yeah, I think you and I started texting each other immediately. Like, uh, 
Is he wearing tights? I mean, as far back as I can remember, I've never seen Punk wear tights. It's, no, I don't think like, he's ever worn Punk tights. <laughs> I, I think it's it's always been, I mean, in WWE, was always Trunks. Uh, and towards the end of his Ring of Honor run, it was Trunks. But, like, almost always it was exclusively the, the basketball or the MMA shorts. And... I I would have put money on that he would have brought those back for that match, but man, the tights right. were were interesting. Like it's a different look for Punk. I appreciate him coming trying to reinvent his look a little bit. Um, they were they were they were very simple, you know, nothing too over the top, but it was definitely jarring. I was not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 different, but you know what? Um... He's back in a new era of professional wrestling. Good for him, but trying to have a different look. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, his his return to the ring, well-received. I haven't heard a whole lot of negative um, from a lot from anyone, really, about the match. I think right now everyone's kind of in, in, a, in a mode where no one wants to sh- shit on anything that AEW does. Everyone's just so happy about what's happening that, you know, I don't think anyone wants to be the guy to rain on their parade. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just been it's just been a good time, and and so Punk's match with Darby Allen. Darby does does not look weak in that loss. He still stays strong. You know, I think there were a lot of people that were worried about. Well, how do you have Darby go in and lose that match? He's got so much momentum. Um, but man, I really liked what they did with that match. I like how Darby still comes out looking good, and. I just never in my life would have imagined I would have seen Sting and CM Punk in a ring together. Isn't that a surreal moment, man? Freaking cool, dude. I mean, you know me, I'm a huge Sting guy, and I'm also a huge CM Punk guy. So to see them both together in a ring, which we've never seen before, awesome, awesome moment. Now, the coolest thing about, um, you know, that match ending is, is okay, Darby check Darby off the list. Like who's next for CM Punk? Like who is he going to feed in in your mind? You know, you're just rolling through the roster. Like, Oh man, I'd love to see him wrestle this guy and this guy and this guy. So dynamite the next week, he goes out there and you know, he's, he's cutting his promo talk, you know, it's all positive. And then Taz just kind of jumps in and like tries, you know, Taz and Punk two of like the best on, on the stick. And, Man, Punk starts eating him alive a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he did. But, but but when Taz starts throwing in, you know, the keep keep deep Taz is, you know, all the, all my guys out of your mouth. I was just like, that's a weird thing to say. Wow, Mike, you got a pretty good Taz. That's a pretty good Taz you got there. <laughs> uh, I'll survive if he lets me. Honestly, though, mocks. <laughs> when when he now that it looks like it's going to be Punk versus Team Taz, you know that's the next, you know, run of the I gambit. Like I I actually really dig it, and I could not be more excited to see him go up against uh, Ricky Starks more than any of those guys. That's a good match. I mean, I'd like to see him go against Hobbs just because I want to see him up against a big guy like that. I think if you're going to come yeah. back and you're going to make a name for yourself, I think that's the guy you go after. I'd like to see him just beat the shit out of Hook, just because what the <laughs> fuck has he done in the last couple of fucking weeks? 
I, this I, is my dad. He's my dad. I come out with the same fucking wife beater every fucking week. I want Hook versus Sunberg in, a, in some sort of a crossover. Dude, that, I, that's the one match I think I'd root for Hook just to beat the shit out of Sunberg. But listen, <laughs> it's the AEW show we're talking about here. <laughs> so moving on, um, obviously, you know, Punk and Team Taz, we'll see how that sorts out. But uh, going back to All Out, um, the world title match, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. I mean, I never in my life thought we'd see that match at all. Obviously, yeah. we got it for the Impact title in Rampage on the first episode of Rampage. So that one set the stage for uh, for the world title match. I thought this match delivered, man. And I think a lot of people were very iffy on Christian being, you know, in the main event against Kenny. Uh, I could not have been more of a fan of this match. I thought it was great start to finish. Yeah, I thought it was uh, a really, really good match. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Like right at the end of the punk match, I think I fell asleep just because I was so tired. I'd worked such a long day. (laughs) So I woke up right towards the beginning, excuse me, of, uh, of this match. And uh, I thought Christian looked great, man. Um, he looked him, so good. We saw him win the title, win the impact title from Kenny, you know, a week before, two weeks before. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, we just saw this, man. Like, what are we going to get? But I think it had a lot of really good shit in it. I mean, there was an outside spot. I mean, I have it saved on my phone. I I saved it on TikTok because it's it's so damn good. Um, but the spot where Kenny puts the table over Christian and just stomps it and oh breaks the table. What a cool, what a cool spot, man. You know, if you're going to break a table, that's one way to fucking break it. But <laughs> no it, kidding. Looked, it looked great. And uh, I, I think they had some really good back and forth offense. And uh, yeah, man, Christian just keeps on uh, impressing me and what he's doing in this company. And I'm, I'm all for it, man. Yeah, Christian definitely, you know, they did a really good job with that match where there were moments where you felt like, oh, shit, could Christian win this match? And, like, I, I for one, really liked that there was that level of unsure on some of the match. Obviously, we kind of had a feeling that Kenny was going to go over, but, I mean, the finish to that match, that super – one winged angel off the top rope. I mean, that was cool as shit. There, there's like just this part of me that thinks to myself, like, at some point here, Christian, like, like, what is Christian not capable of pulling off in that ring anymore? And and man, right. like, he just delivers. He just delivers every single match. And like, I've been saying for years that Christian belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I, I still just don't understand how he's not. This is a guy who's just so good and he's never been uh, put in a position in WWE really to be a top star. Um, Everywhere else he's gone, you know, in his career outside of WWE, he has been positioned as a top player. Um, So I'm glad to see that he comes out, um, you know, looking like a star, even even in a loss in that match. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him in the future. you know, I totally agree with that statement. Um, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's had that big of an impact in WWE. Um, 
and you know he was uh <clears throat> excuse me um he did amazing tagging with edge he did amazing on his own um he's had some really 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 awesome matches if we're gonna talk about all out we gotta talk about the biggest news of all out and that is the debuts now we saw Minoru Suzuki surprise everybody with his debut, but the, the the rest of the show just it was one hit after another. You had the women's casino battle royale, where the Joker in that match, that last entrant, no, I, me me you and my cousin were all texting each other like, oh, who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be you know so and so? Is it gonna be you know Mickey James? Is it gonna be this person? Yeah, Mickey that James. person. And boom, out comes Ruby Soho. And cool. I, could, I couldn't have been more excited to see her in action. And I was surprised that she went over on Thunder Rosa. That's where I was surprised, man, because like I said, I'm a huge Thunder Rosa guy. She's probably my favorite female wrestler in the business right now. And uh, I really thought we were going to see that because me personally, I'd love to see a Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match for the title. But man, they went with Ruby and that's pretty, you know, it's exciting. It's different. It's new. And uh, I think they're going to have a really good feud. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see where they go with that. Um, We all know from her career what she's capable of uh obviously wwe you kind of started to see her turn a corner uh as ruby riot uh with the you know leading the riot squad things like that she really started to come into her own um before she was released and you know i thought that she was kind of one of those um i don't know she wasn't like an a plus player yet but you can see that she was heading in that direction um, I think in AEW, she's going to have a really good chance at being an, an A-plus player in the women's division. And, and God knows that's the biggest uh, Achilles heel of AEW right now is their women's division isn't as strong. So I think she really injects a lot of uh, excitement in the women's division and, and, so, and a legitimate challenger to Britt Baker. Yeah, that's very well said. I definitely agree with that statement. Um, listen, me and you have been fans of her since she was in Chikara, uh, when she was Heidi Lovelace and she mm-hmm. killed it, man. I mean, this is so, this is a girl that knows how to wrestle. Not only is she amazing, having amazing matches against other girls, but she had amazing matches against some of the guys. Oh yeah. And I, like I said, I've been a fan of her since the very beginning. So when she got signed by the WWE, I was super excited to see what they were going to do with her. And, you know, we didn't really get to see her do a lot of solo stuff. So now that she's in AW, she's got this new look, you know, um, I'm all for it. You know, if, you know, like I said, still surprised that they kind of gave her the, the big W um, in this casino battle royal. But, you know, it's only good for the company. She's a, she's a big name. And uh, I, I really want to see what she's going to do with Burt Baker. Yeah, and she comes out in uh, her debut match, her debut singles match the following week on Dynamite, uh, goes over on Jamie Hayter, which um, <clears throat> I'm starting to realize that Jamie Hayter 
has been brought in to be the muscle, but she's, I feel like she's now brought in to be a meat shield for Britt Baker. So Britt oh, doesn't take losses. And yep. Yeah, because I was surprised. I mean, like, I wasn't surprised that Ruby won, but I was surprised that they put her up against Jamie Hayter, who they just brought in to be like the muscle, to be like an imposing figure. And right away, she's just losing matches pretty quickly. So I don't know. Didn't really, that one didn't make a ton of sense to me yet, but I know that it serves the story a little bit. Um, but speaking of serving a story and speaking of Britt Baker, uh, the debuts at the end of the show were the ones that took, that really just broke the internet. Um, no, yeah, no disrespect to Ruby Soho. Everyone was super fucking pumped when, her, when she came out. Um, but these last two were the ones that I think were just incredibly surprising um and the way they were executed you know christian takes the loss kenny and the elite they come out they are you know kenny is shit talking the entire roster there's no one on his level boom lights go out my first thought was i mean i'm sure a lot of people's first thought was could this be brian danielson yeah. And then you see Adam Cole's name on the on the screen. And I about jumped out of my seat cuz one I could not believe that Adam Cole Bebe was already jumping ship to AEW that quickly after, you know, his contract expiring. But like I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, yeah. is Adam Cole coming back from the dead, quote unquote, to to take on Kenny? I mean, there was just so many different scenarios and thoughts running through my mind. I mean, what was running through your mind when that when that music hit for him? Yeah, man. Uh, another funny moment. I was actually asleep right before this again because I was falling asleep in and out of the Christian. Kenny match, not because it was boring. It certainly was not boring, but I was just super excited. I was super tired because I had worked all, all day. Um, but yeah, man, funny thing in my dream, I heard Kenny deliver the promo and I was like, Oh man, that's a pretty kick-ass promo he's delivering. And then I hear, <laughs> I hear Tony Schiavone yell Adam Cole and I wake up and I go, Holy shit. That's Adam Cole. And what's so surreal is I, you know, me, I was just at the NXT show and I just saw his final match at NXT yeah. 36. And now I get to see him showing up in AEW. And I knew right when he came out, I knew him like, he's got to join the elite. He has to, they're probably going to, and they, they played it out exactly the way I thought he was, you know, he's squaring off with Kenny and then he super kicks jungle boy. And I love it. I think it's awesome. I think he's the perfect addition to that faction. Um, you know, we got two sets of tag teams, which is a little much. And then we have Kenny. But now to actually have another singles competitor in there and, uh, you know, another guy who could be in the title run and go against, like, you know, see if we can get the TNT strap on him. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty freaking cool, man. Adam Cole, baby. Boom. It's, it's incredible to me that he was able to maneuver 
the legality of that contract. I don't know what WWE is doing with those NXT contracts, but they are all coming back to bite them in the ass. All of them. All of these oh, guys yeah, they are. that are just showing up. But you know what? It's to AEW's benefit. Because who would have thought that Adam Cole would have showed up on that show? I could not tell you anybody would have predicted it that quickly. So that one definitely had an old school WWF, WCW vibe to it with a guy jumping ship. But, you know, Adam Cole, like you mentioned, super kicks Jungle Boy. Dude, I about, like, I lost my mind. I was like, holy shit, it's a fucking swerve. What a swerve. And, you know, then you're like, oh my God, this is this all out is going to end like Empire Strikes Back. The bad guys are going to win in the end. And then Cry the Valkyrie hits and Brian fucking Danielson. Unbelievable stuff when Brian Danielson hit the stage. Yeah, dude, the American fucking dragon has returned. And you know how I feel about Brian Danielson, man. I couldn't, I, I popped, man. I went, I went nuts. Um, what a, what a sick moment to have two, not one, two debuts back to back. And, and two debuts, two massive debuts that somehow didn't like overshadow the other, which right. I was really like, you know, when Danielson came out, my first thought was, wow, that's bold. Uh, that's just Tony Khan literally just putting both his balls on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, honestly, man, I, I didn't know what to think when that show was over, but the first thing I did was go on Twitter, and uh, everyone was – it was like that, um, that SpongeBob gif where, like, it's just a bunch of SpongeBobs running around and there's fire everywhere. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I felt social media was that night. Like everyone was losing their fucking minds, uh, and myself included. But um, obviously that bleeds into uh, dynamite for the next week with Danielson and Kenny going toe to toe on the mic. That was fun as hell. Um, the fight that broke out at the end of that, you know, seeing Danielson, uh, you know try to put him in the yes lock or can we call it the cross face again? Like, I don't, I don't know what it is these days, what, but uh, it's a fucking good submission is what it is. <laughs> he tried to, to sneak that one in and just to see him in the ring doing anything was, was fun again, but I cannot wait to watch Danielson's first singles match. And I'm excited to see who it's going to be against. Cause you know, he's, he's gunning for Kenny almost immediately, which is kind of shocking. Oh, straight out of the gate, man. Um, and if you watched, if you watched the little extra segment, um, I believe it was on BTE uh, when he's talking to Tony Khan, and he said, you know, hey man, Punk's here to help the young talent and get guys over. I'm here to kick him in the fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that, man. And the fact that he's going after Kenny first, I mean, why not? He's Brian fucking Danielson. So. Yeah. I, I'm all for it. I mean, who doesn't want to see Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega? Oh I mean, that's, that's, Dave Metz, that's a Dave Metzler wetcher. <laughs> I mean, I've been following this guy since he first started in ROH. I mean, this guy has had amazing matches. 
with guys like Nigel McGuinness, guys like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Tyler Black. CM Punk. CM Punk, Morishima. The list goes on. And, you know, I, I'm a huge technical wrestling fan. This is why I grew up with guys like Dean Malenko and Jericho and Steven Regal and Ultimo Dragon. This is, this is the wrestling I love. So when I found Daniel Bryanson, Daniel Bryanson, when I found Brian <laughs> Anderson, Daniel Bryanson. <clears throat> that's going to be his TNA name. I was going to say, that's what he would have been <laughs> if he, if he, when he goes back to WWE one day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I, when I first found Brian Anderson, you know, I, I was like, this is my guy. And he's my favorite wrestler in professional wrestling for a reason. Um, he's got a lot of heart. He loves his business. He loves what he does. Um, and he's going to put the work needed to put on these five-star matches. He's ready to kick motherfuckers in the fucking face, man. That's what he wants to do. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in. And I, uh, I love how much he, he says fuck now. <laughs> a lot. A lot. And maybe because he doesn't eat any meat. He's just he's, he's a little bit more pissed off. He's just all angry. But, uh, man, fucking dragon. Long live the dragon. He's back, and I can't be happier. I mean, I, I we're, getting, we're getting what we've always wanted. And it just took a really fucking long time. But we're finally getting back to where we've always wanted to be in professional wrestling. And... We live in a world of fantasy matches where we never thought we'd see them. Um, man, we're AEW is only missing a handful of guys to like really own the wrestling game, and it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, I just I worry sometimes where are they all gonna? It's not enough screen time for everybody, but then again. Something that I've been reminded of is AEW doesn't treat their product the way WWE does, where you're getting the same guys every week. Yeah. I think right, I think right now you're getting a lot of the same because it's all fresh and new. But I don't think Brian Danielson's gonna wrestle every single week. I don't think CM Punk's gonna wrestle every single week. I don't think Christian Cage is gonna wrestle every single week. And you know, so on and so forth. Jericho is probably going to take a step back, you know, after um, beating MJF. I think he's going to just, you know, thank God Jericho beat MJF. Like, I I still think Jericho's got so much left in the tank. Agreed. And I'd love, I'd love to see where he goes, what he can do with Inner Circle still. Um, I'm not the biggest Inner Circle fan, even though I like, like, a large portion of the guys in that group. Um, I just, you know, I want to see where things can go for here from here for Jericho. And um, I was worried that by MJF losing to Jericho, that he would lose all the steam that he built up. And then he fucking cuts the most vile, horrible fucking just, like an unbelievably heel promo on oh, Brian a, Pillman Jr. and his family. And I was like, okay, never mind. MJF is fine. 
<laughs> he's an asshole. In in the words in the words of in the words of my hero Tony Giovanni, he's a piece of shit. He's a real fucking piece of shit. And you know what? That's great because we love to fucking hate him because man, is he a fucking good heel, dude. Oh my god, he's an old school heel with like a new school mentality. And I mean, he lives his gimmick. He uh, he doesn't shut it off for anybody. Uh, so I, there's something about that that I do appreciate for sure. But my God, that's a level of heel. Like him talking about like Pillman Jr.'s mom's like, hit, you know, drug problems. And yep. Like, and then like he tries to end that promo with Pillman. You know, you should have been aborted and like, God damn. Like, like I that's said, like, real, pe- real piece of shit. That's ECW like vibes on a, on a promo right there where I just was surprised as a hell that he got away with saying some of those things on TV. Um, but you know what? I don't think there's a better heel in professional wrestling than MJF right now. And and he's only what 24, 25 years old. Like, yeah, he's still just a baby, man. He hasn't even. And I thought the other day to myself, I go, man, what's it gonna be like when MJ when MJF has a strap on? Oh god, I shouldn't say it like that. Yeah, like <laughs> that's gonna be I think that's not gonna be professional wrestling, Mike. I think that's gonna be something else on the internet. <laughs> what's it gonna be like when MJF has a title belt? Um <laughs> and I and then the next thought to, to myself was, does, does he does he even need one? Like I know eventually, like, he'll be a champion in some regard, but, like, he doesn't need the belt to be relevant at all. Yeah, I I think, uh, first off, he was a dick to Linda Pillman, so he could fucking kiss my ass. Yeah, he, he can fuck that, right off. That's a sweet, sweet woman in there that raised a fucking talented young man, and you're a fucking bully fucking asshole. But and he man, calls he fucking... Got- Sorry, I was just going to say he called fucking Conrad Thompson baloney tits or whatever he fucking <laughs> called him. <laughs> fucking dickhead. You leave fucking nice Conrad Thompson out of that fucking shit too. <laughs> Man, I will say this though. He he doesn't need a, a, a championship. He doesn't need anything like that because you just want to see him get his ass kicked every week. No, you and, really do. And like... It doesn't matter who he's wrestling. You just want that guy or girl or whoever he's wrestling to go in there and whoop his ass. And that right there is all you want in a heel. Like the heel doesn't have to be lording a championship over the baby face. He just got to be lording over him in some capacity. And man, that's a guy who could live in your head rent free every freaking time he picks up a microphone. So I love MJF seeing him from like his days in MLW to where he is now. Like the sky is the limit. And like, I think of guys that AEW is trying to build as their stars of tomorrow. To me, there's no bigger star of tomorrow on AEW than, than MJF. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that statement. I think for as young as he is, um, 
he's done some pretty pretty impressive stuff and uh he looks you know he looks great every single week he gets the heat that he needs to get uh he's a super big dick on social media which helps a lot um and i just i i mean personally i'd like to see him as tnt champion yeah and just keep that belt on him for a long 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 time and you get all these guys who you just want to see beat the shit out of them and he just he somehow just pulls one over on him and just keeps that title i think that would be a really really cool story to tell um but in the meantime he's a fucking asshole and i hope he gets his fucking head kicked in <laughs> man uh just like he is a serious fantasy matchup uh for so many different guys right now but right during that promo when uh wardlow was kind of wardlow was just kind of being the the block between pillman jr and you know getting to mjf and then mjf basically dismissed wardlow for you know not helping him in the jericho match and then you see Wardlow kind of like, you know, you see that hesitation in Wardlow, which I really thought Wardlow low key was a very important part of that segment. Cause I think of, you know, you'll eventually work to Wardlow turning on MJF. Um, I don't know yet what that really means, but man, I'd like to see what Wardlow can do by himself. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. He's a big dude, super impressive guy. And uh, it's cool that we kind of have him pulling away from sort of this bodyguard enforcer role. And it's like, yo, I'm twice your fucking size. I can pound you into the fucking ground, you little fucking bitch. <laughs> and, and when that and day I, comes, man, it's going to it's gonna be, I think the crowd's going to fucking blow up. Oh, it's going to be fun to see what he can do on his own. I mean, I've enjoyed him watching him go up against guys like Jericho, uh, especially just, you know, going to war with Jake Hager. That's been fun to watch, too. Oh, um, yeah. Two so big houses. Two big fucking meat boys just fucking slapping meats, baby. But <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, what's he get, what is he going to do? And, uh, you know, what can he do, you know? Once the, uh, I guess you could say the, the leash is off and he has freedom, you know, just to go out on his own. Uh, I, I think it should be some good shit. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, one of the other bridges I do want to cross right now with you, because I know you're a big Dustin Rhodes mark. And Dustin Rhodes went out there on Dynamite and he defended the Rhodes family name after Malachi Black kicked his brother's fucking head off, and we haven't seen Cody since. Uh, I thought that Dustin, you know, man, I, I never thought I'd say that Dustin Rhodes, you know, was going to be a, a kind of standout guy, but he delivers every time that, that he's in the ring, man. I, at his age, I never thought I'd be saying that he still puts on, uh, you know, some great matches, but fuck, he really does. And and he he gave Malachi Black probably the most difficult match that he's had yet, and kudos kudos to them for you know still believing in Dustin in the ring because Dustin can still put on a great match. Yeah, man. Like I said, uh, um, I was super impressed with this one, man. Um, I I knew it was gonna be uh, kind of a weird matchup pairing, but I think. Both of them complemented each other really well. And I think the flow of the match was great. 
Um, but yeah, man, I've 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 been a Dustin fan since you know early '90s when he was in WCW. Um, I, I've always loved the stuff he could do by himself, and you know, even with the Goldust gimmick, I was not the hugest Goldust fan in the world. Um, but I think what he was given, you know, he made chicken shit into chicken salad to steal a to steal a phrase. Um, and uh, I, I think he he made that character really, you know, shine. Um, he really did. When, it, when originally, you know, it was meant to be this sort of uh, shit gimmick. Um, but yeah, man, this this new resurgence we get to see is, is like this cross between the natural and and this this gold dust character uh i love it uh I, I i i love what he's doing for the younger guys um i love that he's got his own school open where he can teach these guys what this business is all about and to see him in a match against malachi black and just go out there and you know put the fucking boots to him and do some of these great spots and you know sell it and Listen, we the finish. I wasn't a yeah. huge fan of it. Not I think when finish. you have when you have a, a move like that, that's hard to kick. You don't really want to kick a dude in the fucking face. We get it, um, but I think they got to work on some timing with that because you know, to take the kick in the arm like he did. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, man. He sold it. He sold that that exposed turnbuckle by bleeding from the mouth. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And I think I think and that was good on spot. his part. And the table spot, I think good on him, man. You know, he is one of the best ring workers in the business. He knows what he's doing in there because he's been there for so long. Um, and I think he's got that ring IQ where, you know, if something doesn't work, he knows how to fix it. Um, and, you know, at his age, doing what he's doing and still being able to go up with these younger guys, I love it, man. Um, I mean, this is a man that fucking beat Bunkhouse Bunk in a fucking... Calba in a fucking uh, God, why can't I fucking talk right now? Bull rope match, thank you. Um, this is a guy that went toe to toe with the blacktop bully in a fucking blacktop rules, but he fought a guy in a fucking moving semi truck. There you go. Hey, I ain't got anything he, else to say. He hit Roddy Piper with a car. He did a fucking gold car. Yeah, it's it's one of the most revered gold dust matches of all time. Um, but uh, moving moving into another part of AEW, we're seeing uh, you know Powerhouse Hobbs, who we talked about earlier. Man, him and Dante Martin, those two guys that could be hopefully some big players for AEW in the future. But I will just say this about Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin. I thought Dante Martin was dead when fucking Powerhouse Hobbs ran him over two seconds into that match. Oh yeah, I thought you. I thought he killed him too. I thought like he got up and he just looked dazed. And and you know, going back to these these openers, man, great matches, man. I mean, really good stuff. Listen, I'm always for a big giant, you know, heel going up against a little guy like that. And I, I think it works when you got a high flyer going up against a big brawler. Mm-hmm. And uh let me tell you something, the first half with Dante Martin's offense in the beginning. You know, I didn't know if they were just going to have him get his ass beat or Hobbs to show off how powerful he was, but I thought they did a great job of uh, Dante Martin just, you know, outrunning him and 
doing these quick spots and keeping him off his feet and, and working the different appendages. Um, I, I thought it was an awesome match. And I, I think, like I said, both these openers, this match and the, the, the Dustin Malachi match were, were, were right on point. And I think if that's how you're going to open a show, that's the way you do it. One other thing that I immediately popped for because I thought of you uh, was when Tully Blanchard, you know, cut his promo, um, you know, about Darby Allen. But then at the very end, like basically alluding to the fact that him and Sting are going to go at it again. And I thought to myself, I'm like, these guys are both 70 fucking years old. But I know one person that would love to see this match. And that is you, Derek. I know that you would fucking like, you know, with everything going on. Nope. Sting versus Tully Blanchard. Sign me up. Yeah, man. I fucks with this match, dude. I want to see two old motherfuckers just beat the shit out of each other. And listen, we, we saw Tully when he came out uh, with FTR and everyone said, okay, that he needed to get that out of his system. That's his last match. But why not? Why not have a nice little 10 minute match between him and Sting? Um, because they you were know amazing. Ric Flair's coming out and he's going to interfere in that match. Oh, you know the horsemen are getting involved, man. They're all still here. They're all still kicking. Bring JJ back, too. Why not? I'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I'm a JCP guy. I'm an NWA guy. And if, if, if you are, you know anything about, you know, that era, Tully was the man. I mean, if there's anyone better on the stick, it was him. Him and Arn together were gold. And, you know, this is a guy who is was super talented back then. Uh, he's super talented now as, as a manager, I believe. I, th- I think the stuff he's yeah, done with like FTR and the Pinnacle, uh, I, I'm, all, I'm all for it, you know. And uh, he's, he's, he's got a mind for a business, for this business. Um, he's got a, a great mind for professional wrestling. He loves professional wrestling just like we all do. And, uh, I mean, I think it would be awesome to see him get in the ring with Sting. Uh, and, and like I said, even if it's for just 10 minutes and we have a little quick little, you know, one-sided match, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Let, let, let's do it. When it. I don't know. If, did you hear the rumor about what they offered Adam Cole to stay in WWE on the main roster, what his role would be? Have you heard that rumor? Yes, I did. Apparently, they wanted him to take the manager position and join up with Keith Lee and do the old little guy, big guy routine where the little guy hides behind the big guy. And listen, would I want to see Adam Cole work with Keith Lee? Yeah, but not together, not in a a manager wrestler standpoint, maybe in a faction, possibly they haven't really done anything with Keith Lee. He's one of the best talents you have. And, you know, he's he's getting treated like dog shit. No offense, you know, to -hmm. him. Uh, Super talented guy who's had amazing matches and who we all thought was going to have an amazing career on the main roster. And, you know, just kind of shit in the bed. So the fact that that's what their idea was, that's what their big Adam Cole call-up moment was – that's some scary shit, man. And and when you when you hear shit like that, yeah, good for him, man. Good for him heading to AEW and, and getting the treatment that he deserves. 
being the top guy on NXT doesn't mean jack shit to Vince McMahon. And no, it really that doesn't. was that was case in point. Like Adam Cole ran NXT for two, three years. Top guy, you know, one of the best NXT champions they've ever had. Um, you know, Undisputed Era was was the one of the best things NXT has ever seen. Um, oh, yeah, man. And the the best pitch you've got for a guy that also extended his contract to work that takeover, um, the best pitch you have to keep him around is, oh, we're going to make you a manager. What the fuck sense does that make? It, it's, it's, actually, it's actually offensive to me as, as a fan that you would treat someone who put that much behind like, listen, I don't know Adam Cole. I don't know what he's like behind the scenes. I don't know, you know, how well he's liked. I, I don't know all the politics behind everything, but I can tell you this. He's a talented cat. He's really fucking good at what he does. Yes, he's great on the mic, but he's also great in the ring. And you're going to just sacrifice that so you could turn him into Leo Rush? And what they did with Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley? It's a fucking joke. So you know what? At the end of the day, yes. Adam Cole made the right decision. I have no idea what fucking direction WWE is headed in other than, you know, worried about their bottom line. Who knows what the hell they're going to do, whether they're going to – this rumor that keeps floating around of them possibly selling off the company to someone else. I don't know about that, but, man, I will say AEW – caters to professional wrestling fans caters to you know probably 18 to 49 demographic i think is usually the span uh the range there yeah but wwe i think is gonna take a fucking hard break and and start putting that thing into reverse and just going after the kids man it's gonna be early 90s wwf all over again yep that's, I, I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see these big characters with annoying fucking theme songs and goofy-ass fucking merch, and kids are going to eat it up, and action figures are going to sell, and T-shirts are going to sell. And you know what? Good for them. If, if, if that's really what they want to do and they can make money doing that, that's great. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want them to do bad, obviously, you know, we're professional wrestling fans. We want to see professional wrestling do good. But in the meantime, um, you know, for anybody who is in the same kind of boat and isn't really digging what they're doing, you have a lot of, you have a lot of options, man. I mean, you have AEW, you have impact, you have NWA. And then, I mean, you got your indies too. You got GCW. Um, you still have ring of honor. Uh, you have Japan. Uh, you have Lucha Libre, so there's you have you have your options, and wrestling's good, man. It's good everywhere you look, so you know it it doesn't hurt to you know get out there and watch some different stuff. Hey, man, watch some MLW. They're even doing some good shit. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, it, it it's it's gonna be a crazy next couple of years to see what's what's the future gonna hold for this company. Um, they, they are the biggest name in professional wrestling. Um, so, you know, sports entertainment, damn it. Yep. You're a hundred percent right on that one. The land of fucking superstars. 
But, you know, uh, good luck to them and all their fucking bullshit. In the meantime, you know, watch what you want to watch. And uh, if you don't fucking like it, change the fucking channel. Uh, you know, I do find myself changing the channel on Raw quite a bit. Um, it's it's just not good. And SmackDown is a better show to watch. But there, you know, there are already times where I, you know, will forego watching SmackDown for a night and catch the, you know, catch highlights of it, you know, another time. Because, right. you know, nothing terribly interesting is happening within the WWE right now. And I know that having Balor back on SmackDown is exciting. I think, you know, him bringing the demon character back, that's exciting too. But I right. mean, it's all, they're all just playing the hits to try and get, you know, someone to care right now. And I really don't like, I feel as though the older audience has moved on from the WWE for right now. Um, Cause it just seems like it's written for a younger audience at the moment. And maybe that's what they want for now. And if that's the choice, at least there are alternatives for us. Thank God. Yep. Very well said. And uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll start wrapping it up here. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining us, bearing with us. We've had some technical difficulties recording this episode. It's been a bit of a of a journey to get this one done. Uh, A lot going on in in uh, in my life personally to to just try and get this episode done. Um, But uh, you know, I thank Derek who's an absolutely great co-host with me to, to pull this thing off. And uh, obviously thank you all for, for listening to us. Um, uh, you can find wrestling reanimator on social media, on Twitter at wrestling Reani. That's wrestling R E A N I on Instagram at wrestling reanimator and on Facebook. Um, drop us a like, give us an old subscribe, whether you are listening to us on iTunes or Spotify uh we love you wherever you listen to us and thank you very much derek where can we find you on social media uh you can find me on twitter uh that's falls count anywhere falls with a z and now on instagram you can also find me at falls count anywhere with falls with a z i finally got it switched over to make all your lives easier and look at that branding make my fucking life easier as well because, man, let me tell you, it's confusing when you have a fucking weird-ass name. So, yeah, <laughs> Falls Count Anywhere. That's Falls with a Z, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, Mike Louie, M-I-K-E-L-E-W-I-E, on on uh, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and, you know, the whole gambit. So, uh, for Derek Warnke, I'm Mike Lewis. This is the Wrestling Reanimator Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, friends. Bye.